Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. Our guest today is avid reader and bookstagrammer Lupita Aquino, better known as Lupita Reads. Today, we talk about how Lupita got into bookstagram, the controversy around American dirt, and we gush about our author crushes. As a reminder, everything we discuss on today's show can be found in the link in the show notes. I wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you to our newest members of the Stacks Pack. Those are people who contribute to this show monthly through our Patreon page and in return earn perks like our virtual book club. If you love this podcast and want to help ensure I can make a show week in and week out, consider joining us at the Stacks Pack by going to patreon.com slash the Stacks. This week, I'm saying an extra big thank you to Heather Wilde, Sarah's Bookshelves, Paige B, Sinead Starnes, Macy Morgan, Joyce Neustadt, Carlitha Beavers, Sharda A, Jessica Root, Alyssa Carnegie, Chris, and Mary Bull. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, y'all, let's do it. Time to talk to Peter Reads. All right, you guys, I'm so excited. I'm here with your favorite bookstagrammer, Lapita Aquino. Lapita, welcome to the Stacks. Hi, I'm really, really freaking excited to be here. I'm very excited. I know we're going to get like a bazillion book recommendations from you. So people at home, it's all going to be in the show notes. You just click that link. There will be a list of every single book that Lupita talks about today. Because if you don't know Lupita, she's queen of the book recommendation. Not to hype you up too much, but it's true. I was like, the pressure. No, you're fine. (laughs) You're fine. I I mean, I go to you, so I feel like that is like an endorsement in and of itself. But let's just start a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from. I don't know. Give us a little rundown. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say thanks for having me. Um, Uh, It has been, I'm going to take a second to fangirl a little bit because (laughs) I I mean, I I have always wanted to be on your show. So low-key, like this is like, a highlight like an, a bookstagram like I can retire now so uh, I, I think I think I'm done so um after this uh I'll be deleting my Instagram everybody so just everybody follow follow the stacks pod and that's where all the, the recs will be no seriously I'm, I'm a big fan so thank, thank, you, thank, thank you. you and just like a little bit about me I am Lupita Kino. I am over at lupita.reads uh I started my bookstagram I think five years ago it's been 
a very long time on bookstagram um i am originally i was born in mexico and my parents uh and i and i immigrated here when i was two so i basically know nothing about mexico (laughs) other than that's where i um that's where i was born um outside of that i am just a random regular reader that loves to share and talk about books online have you ever been back to mexico i have I have. um, We were undocumented for the majority of my uh, childhood. So we didn't go back until I was like 13. Oh, wow. Um, And so that was really cool and also kind of scary because it was nothing, nothing like what I expected it to be. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, wait, we'll save this whole conversation. So at the end of the month, Lupita will be back and we're talking about (laughs) the undocumented Americans. And I feel like we have a lot to talk about. So we'll just everyone go pick up your copy if you haven't read it yet that's what we're talking about the last week of september i think it's the 30th whatever that wednesday is anyways we'll we'll pause on this because we'll dive in later okay you're in the maryland dc area and what do you do for a job that's not your instagram bookstagram hobby job jobby yeah oh yeah are you sure? Because like Bookstagram is like a full-time job these days. Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> An unpaid full-time job. It's incredible. Right. Let's <laughs> let's make that like in bold. Unpaid. I am a clinical trial specialist. Um, and I I basically, what I do for my nine to five is I provide expertise for clinical trials and any uh, research related to human subjects that use human subjects. And so I try the best that I can to be as actively aware of the safety and the regulations needed to make sure that um, that's done appropriately. So that's what I do during the day. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you know that I'm obsessed with clinical trials? I had no idea. I had no idea. This is what you did for work. I am obsessed with clinical trials because of Grey's Anatomy, my favorite show. I didn't, I didn't watch it. Oh, well, it's okay. They like just do clinical trials sometimes. And when I first started dating Mr. Stacks, because he's, he was in med school at the time. And I was like, oh, do you do clinical trials? And he's like, why do you know that? Like, it's like a weird thing to ask someone. It is. And and I was like, because Grey's Anatomy, they do clinical trials. There's the Alzheimer's clinical trial. And there's like all these clinical trials going on in Grey's Anatomy. So let me ask you about clinical trials. Do you... Do you like read the data and stuff or are you the person who's like, this is, these are the regulations for a clinical trial, like a phase one or whatever. That's a great question. And I love that Grace does that because I think a lot of, I work in the, in the public sector now. So a lot of what we try to do is, is have public awareness around clinical trials because it's really important. I mean, I, I don't, I know you're reading cast, but again, just talking about how important it is to have people of color that participate in clinical trials, because a lot of the medication that we're looking at, you know, it's only studied in white Americans and white folks. So the way they respond to medicine is completely different to the way that we as people of color, black people, Mexican people would respond to medicine too. So I think that anyways, I'm not going to segue into that, but there is Have you read Medical Apartheid? I have not. Oh my gosh, you have to read it. It's all about, well, it's all about anti-Black racism in medicine and it's incredible. I mean, it's like super dense and it's a major nonfiction, but Harriet Washington is a beast and she's 
probably a genius and I think she doesn't get nearly enough credit for the work that she does because I feel like she's on that same level as like Isabel Wilkerson in the sense of her research and stuff but she's much more of an academic but um yeah anyway sorry what did I ask you oh I wanted to know (laughs) if you do the data side or if you do more like the regulation side so I used to uh, be the one that would actually develop the protocols so I would work with uh, study PIs and I would sit there and we, you know, they would say, okay, this is my idea. And, you know, I would work with them to really flesh out a protocol that um, would then later be used to like implement the study. I would also develop consents. So whatever you would read as a participant mm-hmm. is what I would write and develop. Now I'm a little less on the um, hands-on side. So now I just really oversee the funding of clinical mm. trials, make sure that, that the funding is being used in the right in the way that you know, study PI said that they were going to use the money because I mean that's a big thing. <laughs> like, right, right, right. If right, give right. you money for a clinical trial, you need to make sure you're using it for a clinical trial. Yeah. Wow. And okay, it's not as me... fun anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> yeah. And now you're like you're like the like the snitch. Like, ooh, you're not using yeah. your money right. Basically. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Wait, okay. I have, oh my God, this is going to become a clinical trial podcast because I'm so excited. I, people can't see my face, but I'm literally like smiling so big. Um, I'm I'll, so excited. You're excited because a lot of people don't know about them a lot. I tell people and they're like, they kind of just do this blank stare where they're like, oh, okay. I think it's so cool. Well, so my question, I guess, this I know you don't have an answer, but what are your feelings about this coronavirus vaccine? Given the fact that you work in yeah. clinical trials, you know the timeline for these kind of things. And as far as, cause there's like different phases you have to do and all this yeah. stuff. Like, what are you hearing? What, what are you getting from your peeps? Um, I mean, I think it's totally doable. I think that, but I think we need time, you know? And I think that's completely different than the fact that some people just want to rush it and say, we'll have a vaccine. You can go out. And you can do your thing and still live your life. And it's like, well, we can stay at home and we can wait for a vaccine. Um, I think that's totally possible. In terms of uh, clinical trials and the way that I'm seeing it roll out, I think that it can, you would be surprised at how quickly uh, we can get um, people to, you know, just army up and get this done scientists of all levels, just get them ready to, to, you know, focus in on getting this done and getting it done. to market and getting it to people so I mean it's totally doable I'm 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 hoping that I'm hopeful that you know the new year is what we'll have something oh really that's fast I mean I don't know I I mean we're talking we're talking yeah we're talking about doing things um, at least figuring out ways to bend rules Mm. not personally where I work and and just in general what I'm reading what I'm seeing like you know we're talking about like making like just kind of bend, not bending rules, but, you know, skipping sure. certain things or just doing things to make it more effective to get it out there more quickly. So, right. So this yeah. is sort of like one of those, it would be one of those things where they are trying to get whatever the vaccine is out faster versus making right. sure that it's like totally ironclad, like sort of what happened with the AIDS epidemic where it was like people are dying. And so it's better for us to get drugs out there versus um waiting for the exact right perfect drug yes and no i think it's it's going to be probably a little bit of both okay i would hope so but yeah i mean it's it's hard right and it takes time (laughs) yeah and time is not 
at least it doesn't seem like that's what we have on our side right now because everybody wants to rush and go back to normal. So, yeah, wear your mask, people. Stay inside. Yeah. God, ugh. This also has become a wear your mask podcast. It's like the only thing I talk about. Okay, we'll tr- switch back to books, but you and I are going to have to talk offline more about clinical trials because I know everyone at home is like, what the actual fuck? I wanted to hear book recommendations and I'm getting like data points. Um, okay, so you started your bookstagram account five years ago and I sort of want to know why you started it and I sort of want to know how you started it. Yeah, Um I'm not going to lie. I was in between jobs. I was jobless. Okay. So I was sitting around the house, bored in the house. Um, and I was reading a lot. You know, I was I was just picking up books in between uh, looking for jobs, interviewing. And um, I was posting stuff on my Instagram. And then I was just like, it's, I felt like I was super special. And okay. I was like, oh, I'm going to make an Instagram account just about the books I'm reading. (laughs) I did it one day and I posted it to my personal account. Like I was like doing something really big, you know? And when I got into the community, I was like, wow, okay. There's a lot of people that post about reading books and the books that they like. So um, I I really, that's really how it started. I just wanted to a place to talk about the books that I was reading and to take pictures of books. And I really, really thought I was doing something unique. I'm not gonna lie. But five years ago, I feel like that was sort of unique. There, I mean, I started two and a half years ago, and I feel like a lot of people that I follow now started. They were like in the same class as me, you know, like the class of 2018 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you started five years ago, so I feel like there's probably so many more people who now have these accounts. Like you, definitely were an early adopter. I feel like. Yeah. No, for sure. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because. I, publishers were some publishers were on on there but um even the way that they uh, like kind of engaged with the community that then was really like focused on I mean like library you know how people mm-hmm. post now about reading library books like that what there was no need to single out and say like let's let's like read more books from the library because people were reading books right. from the library people were just posting books that they got from the bookstore that they bought from the bookstore like arcs and like galleys like that wasn't really a thing when i first started you know i think the only way you could get like arcs or even books is like sometimes publishers would post giveaways mm. and you can enter so like, i remember the first time like i i got a stack of books was because i had entered a giveaway on a publisher's uh, account and um I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it was much more like reader review focused and less yeah. like marketing, publishing, yes. marketing focused. Do you remember yeah. when the switch happened for you? I, you know, I try to think back, like if there was like an exact time period, but it honestly, like, I feel like in these past two years, you know, with accounts that I feel like when the accounts got just bigger and larger, I know for me personally, like when I started noticing, I was like, oh damn, like I've been around for a long time, but like, I like a thousand followers, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's not a big deal. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, what does it say about the time that I've been on here and the time that I've spent on here versus like the time that other people come on and they're like 10K followers in and I'm like 5K. So, I mean, for me, that's what changed. And that was like maybe two years ago. That's so interesting to hear that the space was sort of different. I remember the first author I ever had on this podcast was Joe Piazza, who mm. she wrote um, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. And we talked about that book. And it was, it was was she was the first 
first author, I want to say it was like two years ago on the show. And I remember being so excited because she commented on something and was like, oh my God, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast. And I was like, oh my God, an author knows about my podcast. (laughs) And when she came on, she was saying, one of the things she mentioned was like how great the bookstagram community was, but how it had really shifted in her eyes. So I think, and she was saying that it's much, it was much more about like readers and in, I'm pretty sure in Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, she actually thanked bookstagram in her book. Like oh, wow. as like being a supportive community for her work because she'd written other books before that. Um, so I think you're the second person to kind of say that, but it's been a while and I'm just thinking, huh, what an interesting shift. And I wonder, I wonder if it is different. It, is it feels like a different place for you given the changes that you've seen in a good or bad way? Well, you know, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think something I wasn't really aware of when I was as a reader was, and, you know, I think we've talked about this is the lack of um, marketing that, you know, um, black indigenous people of color authors get in the books right? about that experience. Um, I think that the marketing then when I was a reader, I was just like, I would pick up whatever, wherever, if a friend mentioned it, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to read it. But you know, I didn't notice until I got on Instagram how targeted marketing can be. Mm. And so I think sometimes I do wonder, I was like, is it my perspective on reading that changed or is it the community that changed? Mm. Because I know I have talked to some bookstagrammers that do have that kind of belief still, you know, and that this is a hobby, that this is, you know, um, this is a space for readers. And, you know, for me, I'm like, maybe because I feel very naive now, but I'm like, it is for readers. It is for you. But the way that the publishers are using you and your account and your platform that you've built and these friends that you have, like that you can't take away right. and that you have to be careful with. And I don't think people see that or acknowledge that. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're. I totally hear you because I think what you're getting at is this idea of the bookstagrammer's intention versus mm. the way mm. that publishing is using the impact so like your intention might be like I love to read and I want to post about it and people like your work and they like your pictures and they like what you have to say and so they follow you and publishers see that and then publishers use your community that you've built to make money and so then it becomes this kind of sticky situation between okay my my intention was just to post about books I like but now my my output is becoming profitable for other people. And so then it becomes a sticky situation between, you know, should I be paid? Should I be, should something be reciprocated for me? Because I am, everyone else is profiting off of me, right? Every time a bookstagrammer sells a book, a author makes a little money. Maybe a bookstore makes a little money. The publisher makes a little money. And so there right. becomes this weird dynamic of like free labor. And it's weird to think of it, I guess, as labor if it's just something that you do as a hobby. But I think yeah. people make money off hobbies all the time. I have plenty of friends who are photographers right. by night, you know, and they have real day jobs, quote unquote, real day jobs. Right. But I still pay them to take pictures. Right. But even that, like, even if you don't want to get paid for it, right? Say that there is a realm of people that don't want to get paid for a hobby because they believe it's a hobby. How do you know that and and 
and live with it, right? Like right. is where I'm where I'm struggling. Like my intention will always be to post about books that I read that I really enjoy that I really right. like. Right. You know, that will always be my intention. But the platform that I have now, I mean, I can't unsee or unknow that <laughs> at right. some point, you know, I'm not saying I'm I'm gonna like talk about a book and it'll hit the New York bestsellers list, but you know, I know that I like what I when I share things, it has an impact and Right. You know, it does have a little bit of an influence with readers that follow me. Right. I mean, that's that's the tough part, I think. Do you worry about that? Like, do you worry about your influence at all? Or is it exciting to you or? Um, I think I go through kind of periods, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and especially being on like Bookstagram. I feel like people talk about this and they're like, nobody can make or break a book. There is no influence. Nobody has influence, you know, and then it's like no, you guys need to stop talking about books like that because you influence other people. So it's just for right. me, even being on Bookstagram, like the dialogue that always happens, uh, it's just a constantly trying to remind myself and reset myself that, you know, I can only do what's best for me and I can only do me at right. the end of the day, you know, um, and I have good intentions and that's it, you know? Right. Well, I mean, look, I can't speak for a book here and there if I have or haven't had influence or if you have or haven't had influence for any particular title, except I can say that I do know one title that I feel like you did have a lot of influence (laughs) over. And I think we have to talk about it because I think it is, I think it was a very exciting time in the publishing world because this conversation that came up around American dirt. And I think, I mean, you kind of rallied a group of people um, to do a little bit of a protest against American dirt. So I'm wondering if you can kind of explain what happened to people and kind of how, like what, what the, what the issue was. I think Sorry, most I people know, I know, I know. I think most people know about American dirt, but I kind of, for people who don't know what the issue was and then kind of what your response was. Yeah. Um, so it's so interesting that you said like rally. I think I, you know, even now kind of like I still struggle with like realizing like, yeah, I did that. But I can't, I think what's important to, to notice is that I kind of just got tired of seeing so many people um, upset and not have a way to kind of say, okay, mm. this, this is how I can respond. Right. And so like, I just feel like I was, I was, I know I was upset. Right. But I think what upset me more was the way that what I shared mm-hmm. about what I like had learned about the book and the author, about how people responded to that. Wait, I want you to go back and say what happened, because I think some people maybe don't know about the controversy. And I think some people maybe don't know about what what you what you did. OK, okay. Um, so a while ago um, and I'm going to credit Karen from Idol Utopia Reads. I'm going to credit Karen. I'm going to credit Karen for this because she was the one that was the most vocal about American Dirt. Um, I had read a review by Miriam Gerba a few months after I had received an email from Flatiron, the publishing company for American Dirt, that basically was like, we're offering you to do a 10 book giveaway for this book. And so um, I was like, okay, interesting. And I had seen the book kind of hyped up, you know, for best the indie bestseller list like I was like okay this is interesting it seems like a very hyped up book so I looked it up and I read the synopsis and I was just like 
okay, why are we, why are we here again? And so basically the book is just about um, a woman and a son who escaped from Mexico. They own a bookstore in Mexico and they escape from Mexico and they don't escape. Well, the way they're saying it is they escape, but they immigrate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're undocumented and it follows their journey here but they're running, they're fleeing from a drug cartel. I'm so, this is so stupid. They're fleeing from a drug cartel (laughs) in Mexico. And so I'm just like, seriously, like it's 2020. Trump literally just said Mexican people are like the worst people on the earth. And he literally brought up the reasons that, you know, we shouldn't be allowed in this country. And here we are like reading this garbage. So on my end, I said to myself, I don't want to read it. I'm not going to read it. So I, rep- I reply back and I was like, Hey, thanks. No, thanks. I don't want to be part of your promotion. Um, and I just kind of said my piece with it. You know, I was just like, I'm not going to say anything. Like it's not, it's not worth it. It's just a book. It's a thriller. Like I don't need to say it. it's not going to, it's not going to be a big thing. Right. I literally said that to myself, Tracy, I looked <laughs> at the email, I responded back and I said, okay, I can let this go. It's not going to be a big thing. And then, and then it became a huge Instagram <laughs> happened. And it was everywhere. Everybody and their mother on Bookstagram was giving this book away. Everybody was calling it. Ah, I should I should pull up some posts. You should have told me we we're going to talk about this. I would have pulled up some posts. <laughs> and um, and they were just saying like, oh my god, this book is just shining a light on the voiceless, and it's the book of the nation. And it was just like, I just I was like I just kind of lost it. I was like, seriously? No, this is just a couple of people, right? This right. Isn't- <laughs> I was like nervous laugh <laughs> you know like it's okay it'll be fine <laughs> people will come to their senses um and then Karen just kind of you know thanks to Karen and she had done a whole story highlight and reel about you know how people were responding and how you know and I was just like okay wow I can't be quiet about this I can't and I really wanted to be like I really I I hate I hate that about myself because I think um part of what I learned with American Dirt is that I spent a lot of time being very quiet and like very silent on things and books. You know, I was just like, did it? I just was minding my business. I thought, you know, right. and I just said, I, 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 I'm going to say something, you know, I think I can, I can say something. So I, I, you know, I quoted and I, um, I shared Karen's real or not real, sorry, her um, Instagram story highlights. And I was just like, I kept quiet about this. But here's my initial reaction. I literally just shared my reaction. I shared exactly my thought process that I just gave you. 2020, Trump is saying Mexicans are bad people, right. you know, um, and he's literally saying that, you know, the drug cartel and all this stuff. And I'm like, you guys need to, like, realize that this is what we're feeding into this single narrative right. of the undocumented experience. And then on top of that, we're elevating this book and we're calling it, like, the, vo- the book that'll give the voice of voiceless, what the author herself calls the brownless mass at the border. I'm using this book. This, they're giving a face to the brownless mass at the border. So I was just like, I posted it and I was like, okay. And then people just, they would tag me in their reviews, Tracy, and they would say, you know, um, own voices reviewers say this about the book, but it's so important, but it's, it's so super good. Power, powerful. It's so good. And I was just like, you will, I'm literally telling you, like, as a person who was formally undocumented, which the author says about her husband, like I had never heard that term before formally undocumented. Huh. And her husband's Irish, by the way, Yeah. which 
we won't get into that, but basically the promotion, used, also the marketing yeah, for the book was yeah. really off. And she and she's a white woman with some Puerto Rican ancestry. Uh, apparently, her grandmother is Puerto Rican. Right, and there's a whole conversation that is to be had about. You know, I I think this idea in America that if you are Latinx, you are automatically a person of color. And I think just like in America, you can be white or black or brown. In a lot of Latinx countries, you can also be white or black or brown. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole details of that. But, you know, just the example I always use is Marco Rubio is Cuban. And yeah. I don't think anybody thinks of Marco Rubio as a brown person, right? Like he's he's a white Cuban and, and that's a thing. And, you know, there's white Brazilians, you know, Giselle Bundchen, right? So this idea that just because she has Puerto Rican ancestry, ancestry means that she's a person of color is also, you know, plays into the racism and white supremacy of America. Um, yeah. so, so base and also what you did or what you were a part of, I don't know who started it, so I don't want to credit you, but I know that what you were a part of was having people on the day the book came out, post a blue square and also a stack of books that were own voices, books about, uh, by and about people and immigration. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. They were yeah. all around immigration in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Or written by people that, you know, are undocumented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and it was a group of us. I, I don't know if they would be comfortable with us. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Sharing. I wasn't sure if it was a group or just, <laughs> I just know. Yeah. I will take credit for coming up with like the images okay. and, um, and because of them and their support and their help, um, and the ability to, you know, to be like, okay, no, we should do this. Um, and it was really around the announcement of Oprah selecting it as a book club pick because again, like, um, it, it just gained traction and it became clear to me. And, you know, I hope I, I knew to other folks that were hurting too around this Latinx folks that it was just a money train, you know, that it was people <laughs> just jumping on this idea that books sell. And that's kind of the ugly part that you see a bookstagram is that, you know, we fuel that money train and you can't unsee that. And, you know, like that's tough, you know, yeah. especially if it's a story that like, I just, I mean, that's not the story that I think should be elevated in the time now when we really need to have conversations about, you know, like making change and right. s- supporting the undocumented community, helping the undocumented community. I mean, I just think it's funny that people call it, call it timely or call anything about the do- undocumented experience timely because I'm 33 years old. This right. has been something in part of my life forever. Right. You know, and I'm I'm reading Maria Inocioso's um, memoir, and she talks also about how you know America just has a terrible way of treating immigrants. You know, and right. how even I love this line in her book where she talks about how like there's a new term every time. So it was boat people once, mm. right? Just a term every single time. So she's it's like, an- when are we going to stop otherizing people? Right. Well, we have America has this really short memory when it comes to wrongs done to other to other people. I'm putting that in quotes, basically mm. not people who are considered American at the time. Um, but and we, we keep seeing this. We see this with immigration. We see this with black people. Mm. We see this with queer people. It's like anything that's talked about in the moment all of a sudden is timely, even though we've been dealing with this stuff 
you know, for years and years and decades and decades. And, and, you know, immigration is nothing new in America. And the idea that it's timely because someone has done something terrible in this moment, it separates it from the long history of the way that we are xenophobic and hateful and horrible people to people who come to this country. And we have been for basically as long as people have been coming to this country that weren't the colonizers, you know, like anybody who came after like, I don't know, 1776, like we've been talking shit about as a country and basically, yeah, but people try to act like, Oh, this is brand new. Like this is not new. This is not new. Um, Okay. I do want to ask you this question because I know that people, I know that a lot of the pushback that people mm-hmm. gave around American dirt. So I'm going to kind of like take on the personality of someone. I have my own feelings about it, but I do want to hear from you, which is a lot of people would say, well, just because she's a white woman, why can't she tell this story? Why does, why can only undocumented immigrants or why can only people of Mexican descent tell this story? So my question is to you, why is it why why can't she tell this story i guess specifically mm-hmm. but more importantly what is it that own voices or people who represent the experience they write about what is it that they are bringing to books and when if ever have you seen a non-own voice person write about another group's experience and done a good job of it because i know that people have done that and i've read books where i've been like well damn you know, it's not necessarily 100%, but like one of the examples I give is I personally think that James Baldwin writes women pretty well for a man, <laughs> you know, and like he's not a, he's yeah. not a woman. I think Sorry. he does a pretty good job. <laughs> I don't know if he does a perfect job. I don't think he understands all the nuances of being a woman, but I don't feel disrespected in the right. way that he writes women. So that's a kind of a threefold question, but mostly it's just why is it important? Why Why is it a problem that she wrote this book and why is it important for own voices and how how can you point us to any own voice book or not own voice books that you think are good? That's a great question. It's a lot of um, questions. <laughs> no, it's, it's good because Ooh, like, I, sweating. I feel like uh, when this first started, you know, and I, the blue square thing happened and it, it went, I didn't expect it to go as viral as it did. It literally went viral. Like when right. people say viral, I was like, Oh, fuck it went viral (laughs) like I was getting contacted from like people in Italy like hey can we post this in our newspaper and like I was like you can do whatever you want but I mean I it was it it got for me very nerve-wracking and I don't think I could have answered questions there or even really kind of talked through things because at the time I just felt like it took this for somebody to be like to listen to me you know and I just felt like nobody was listening it was just like oh, what does your opinion matter? You know, and I just felt like my experience wasn't validated. And um, right. anyway, um, so you asked. Well, what the problem is with people who aren't own voices writing own voice stories? Yeah, so I don't think that that was a problem for me. Like, I think that, you know, when we when I told you initially, when I looked at the book, I was ready. It was thriller. She was a white woman. I, I Googled that. I saw that easily and I was passed, you know? Right. That wasn't a problem for me. I think people can write whatever they want want to write. And even if the book existed now and it was still out there somewhere, you know, I don't I would not have had a problem with it the way I do because I I do now. I mean, I think what the problem was was the elevation and the Mm. praise and the hype that it received as this is the story 
that, you know, will save us and get us to understand the undocumented experience and to understand the, the problem at the border. Um, you know, and I'm like a thriller. Right, 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 right. <laughs> this is I what see. we're elevating to have book club conversations. And I mean, what are you doing after your book club? Right. You know, what's the action? And I just felt like that's, I don't, to me, that wasn't fair. I'm like, if we're going to have a shot at talking about undocumented, about the undocumented experience and how we can support undocumented people and about what's happening at the border, like, I'm not going to do it around a fucking thriller. Right. Like, that's not fair or even like for anybody. Right. So it was less that she was a white woman and more just like the positioning of the book and the fact that this sort of like fictionalization that played on stereotypes and all of this stuff was the book the book around right. undocumented because we know those exist tracy i mean we, right. we know it, every there's so many books out there that you will find a book that has full of stereotypes about black people that is sure. full of stereotypes about you know like chinese people like sure. they're out there right but do they receive the same height right and the I same see. praise and the same like is oprah reading them is right. oprah <laughs> promoting them you know right I, right <laughs> i was just gonna say can you think of any books that are written by own voice writers around immigration that you feel are just like if people want to read something that's just a plus 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 aside from the undocumented americans because obviously (laughs) um but any other books that you're like if you want to know what it's like at the border or you want to have an understanding read this don't read american dirt yeah um of course i mean first off uh the affairs of falcon falcones by melissa rivero Mm. I mean, Dominicana by Angie Cruz. I mean, there's definitely books out there that center the narrative around someone who is undocumented and what it's like to live here, you know, as an undocumented person and to be a citizen here. Because although we might not be legalized here in any way with papers or whatever, that doesn't make us like citizens of the nation. You know, we still contribute in one way or another. We have jobs. We have a living like. Right. So, um, yeah, so those two come right off the top of my mind. Okay, good. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. 
If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so before we dive into your book list, I did not prep you for this. I like to spring this on people, but it's Ask the Stacks. Um, Someone has written in, they're asking for a book recommendation, and we're going to give one to them right now. So I'll read read the question, and then you come up with some answers. So this comes from Katie Bull. Katie says, I'm looking for book recommendations for books that really get you deep inside in the feels without being manipulative. Think poignant without being Nicholas Sparks books. For example... Some books that have touched me deeply have been The Tribe of Fatherless Girls, Whiskey and Ribbons, A Little Life, A Place for Us, and In the Dream House. Family sagas, loves that don't work out, bittersweet endings, they're all my jam. Okay, Katie, I tried really hard to come up with fiction because you've listed some fiction. So I have three books. One of them is nonfiction. And honestly, I came up with about 20 nonfiction books that fit this, but I'm trying to be good and respect that you mostly gave me fiction. So my nonfiction pick is a book that I always recommend to people that I love so much. It's called Jesus Land by Julia Shearers. It's so incredible. It's one of the best memoirs I've ever read. It gets you deep in your heart. The only thing I will say is if you buy the book now, there's a new edition. And in the new edition, there is a forward. And the forward has a major spoiler. Do not read the forward from the author before you read the book. Okay? Just trust me. It'll ruin the book for you. I don't know why they did it. They didn't even ask the author author about it. It was a crazy thing to do. Okay. My next book is a book I've also recommended a lot. It's called Home Fire by Camila Shamsi. We did it on the show. It's an incredible novel. Um, It'll get you in your feels for sure. And then the last one, I think it's YA. I read this book so long ago, but I remember being all up in my feelings about it. And it's The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. Have you read that, Lupita? I have. I saw the movie too. It's hell of good, right? I feel like there's like some controversy around it or something. I don't know because I read it a long time ago. I don't know of the controversy. I know I I have a story for you. I'll tell you later about it. But Okay. So Katie, those are my recommendations. Lupita, what are yours? You can give like one or two. You don't have to give three. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, Katie, you are my type of person. We just (laughs) want to be destroyed by books. I get that. I get that. So, okay. I'm going to recommend Cantoras by Carolina Bertis. 
uh, that will hit you in all of your feel feels like absolutely. Uh, it's queer, so I know you like a little life, so you probably like queer books. Um, I'm also going to recommend Real Life by Brandon Taylor, who mm. was a guest on the Stacks, and Love like I, his book just destroyed me. It was so um, good. It's so good. It's like I mean, it's very good. Another one. I feel like I should. I should. I have to say it. Good talk by okay. Mira Jacob. I mean, for me, I know you haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. Um, but good talk for me. It definitely hits me in all the fields. And that's a graphic novel. It is a graphic novel. So if you're looking for something different, it's not. I should have mentioned that it's not fiction. Yeah, it's a graphic memoir. Okay, Katie, those are your recs from us. If you read any of those books, you must tell us you must email or if you're on Instagram tag us both let us know how we did um, for those of you at home who are interested in doing ask the sacks email asking the stacks at gmail.com and myself and my guests will give you a book rec live on air okay Lapita to the questions two books you love one book you hate <laughs> um, two books I love so I just I keep thinking about Minor Feelings by Kathy Park. Mm. I love, love, love that so, so much. Another one that comes to mind. I'm trying not to recommend the same books that I get recommend all the time on Instagram. So I think another one that I read recently that I really, really loved was The Death of Vivek Oji. That was really good. Um, A book I hated. Oh, can I pass? <laughs> yeah, oh my god! I'm, so I'm kidding. I'm nice. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I won't pass. You know what just didn't do it for me, and I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna get canceled. Luster just didn't do it for me. I know this about you. I haven't I read it yet. I'm really torn because you're a person that I go to for book recommendations, but then Jamie over at Absorbed in Pages, another person I go to for book recommendations, yeah. loved it. And so now I'm I like, Ugh, I'm going to have to read it and make an opinion for myself. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and here, okay. So I think hate's a strong word. So I'm going to say, I just, it didn't do it for me based on the hype that I saw around it. Yeah. I read it for a book club that I'm leading later. Um, this month, but um, I just was expecting it to be a different type of story. And I mm. think, I think what makes the book so strong is what I don't like about it. So I, I see. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but okay. basically, you know, it's about a woman who is kind of doesn't know where she's going with her life and she's depressed. And so the tone of the book is written in this very like, uh, my life, you know, but yeah. it's good. Like, and to be able to capture a character through tone and writing like that, I think is genius. Right. So, I, I mean, the book in itself for that means good. it's a good book. I just didn't do it for you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Exactly. OK, well, then what are you reading right now? And can you read multiple books at once? Um, yes and no. I, I pretend that I can't, but I do sometimes. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> uh, right now I'm focusing on Once uh, Once I Was You, a memoir by Maria Inukiosa, who is um, I guess she's an NPR correspondent okay. she has a podcast in npr with latino usa so oh, okay she's you should check her out she's really good i'm really enjoying it it's really good so far uh what i'm, I'm rereading a book now called lucky boy i don't oh, yeah. know who the author is and i'm reading it for a podcast that i'm going to be a panelist on to discuss the book cool. so talk about nano voices it's the woman who wrote it is not own voices and it 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 stems between a woman who 
um, really wants to have a child but can't have children, and she's Indian. And Soli, who is undocumented in America, and their cross, their paths cross, and basically she gets deported, and the Indian woman um, keeps or you know fosters a child, oh. but Soli wants the child back. And wow. so it's 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 very interesting book. Um, I I'm rereading it, so I I I want to say that I feel like it's done with a lot of care. Mm. But now I'm more careful after the whole American Dirt thing. Right, so. right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, what's on your radar that you're looking forward to reading? Either things that are coming out soon, or just things that are on your TBR pile. Yeah. Um. So Memorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By Brian Washington. I'm so excited about that. I really, really, really want to read that. That's on my um, my list. Um, and Grieving by Christina Garza. I don't know that. It's through Feminist Press. Mm. Um, so it's apparently dispatches from, I think, dispatches from, I think it's Undocumented Voices here. Okay. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what else? so many books I know it's a hard question for people like us who are like have a million book TBR yeah okay. oh the Zadie Smith book oh the newest yeah, yeah, one yeah. Intimidations yeah I want to get to that one and Sula I need to get to that for book club well by the time this episode airs you're gonna already have Miss book club because oh, man. <laughs> I always wait it's okay you'll be on time for book club for September because I know you've read the book because we're gonna talk about it okay this is an important question that I'm sure lots of people want to know about you which is how do you pick your next book and who are the people that you go to for recommendations well, let's see. I go to you for <laughs> sure. Um, you're definitely one of the people I go to. Um, I think that there, I have a set of bookstagrammers that I feel like we match and then some that I we, we don't match in our reading taste. And so I like to keep people that I don't match with also on my radar because, you know, I'm like, oh, if they like the book, like I might not like, like it, not like it. But at the same time, like I know that their voice is different than mm-hmm. the rest of you know, because I think sometimes with Bookstagram, we tend to kind of clump up and like become this one big voice around a book. And right. then it's like, well, where are the other opinions about the book? So um, I think I have Bookstagrammers like you, Karen, Oscar from mm. Books to Unity. Um, I love his recommendations. I also love Jamie's recommendations. Lately, I've been getting recommendations from Amira Jacob. Mm. Uh, so I'm really, she recommended on beauty by Zadie Smith. Um, and I, oh my God, it, it crushed me. Like it was really good. And so I've got one more, one more book that she recommended that I'm going to read. And I'm really excited because I know it's going to crush me in a good way. It's interesting because you've mentioned Mira Jacobs now twice and Mira Jacob twice, and you've used the word crush now twice. So I think that we should get back to my question (laughs) that I knew I'd be able to get in somewhere later, which is you are the creator of my favorite Instagram game, which is author crushes where people submit their author crush. And I know that yours is Mira Jacob and it's no shock to anyone that obviously mine is Jason Reynolds because... Really? Why? Obvious reasons. Honestly, Mira Jacob is also just like, what a babe. So I totally understand why she's your crush. But I'm curious, A, how you came up with that. And B, besides those two, who else are the author crushes that you hear of the most? Yeah, no, I love this question. So, (laughs) oh, man, um, I I just came up on a whim. Like, I just was like, 
it's like, okay, so I realized I was reading her book. I finished her book. I was rereading her book. And I was like, oh, I just, I have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and so before I told anybody else, I told my wife, I was like, oh my God, she's so brilliant. I love her work. I feel so connected to her words. You know, I just, her, this, just like everything in this book just feels so like, it just, it just crushes me deeply. You know, it was one of those, like, it gives me all the feels. And so then I was like, just sitting with these emotions. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to confess it. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> like I did, I was like, I tagged her and I was like, I said something like, you know, I don't remember what I said, but, but then I, to soften the blow of that weird ass confession to, <laughs> I, sh- I should have not done that. I was just like, everybody else tell me your crushes. <laughs> But who else are big popular book crushes? I know Jason comes up a lot. Every time you post it, there's like 10 people who put oh Jason. Oh my God. Jason comes up a lot. Carmen Maria Machado comes up a lot too. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. You want to hear someone who came up and I was just like, what? Oh yeah, I do. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, his last name is... I'm not going to remember his last Never mind. We skipped that one. I can't remember. The now I have name. to know who it was. He's a really well-known. Apparently. He oh, had a relationship. Salman Rushdie. Yes. Salman Rushdie. Interesting. He's kind of like an older daddy bae. I know. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know so. who that is. Interesting. <laughs> who else comes up besides, I mean, literally Jason Rubble. Oh, Zadie Smith. Oh, Zadie yeah. Smith comes up a lot. And then everyone else has been there. Oh, it's like a way to introduce me to new authors too. And like, I'm like, Ooh, okay. I would read that. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I feel like sometimes when you like post their picture, you find like the hottest picture of these authors. And I'm like, wait, that's what that person looks like. Like, call yeah. me. Would you like yeah. to come on the podcast? <laughs> Available. <laughs> Don't tell Mr. Stacks though. My crush on Jason is sanctioned in this house because Mr. Stacks also has a crush on Jason. So it's sort of like, something that my husband and I just, you know, bond over our mutual love for Jason Reynolds. And I know that everyone at home is probably laughing because this is like the 20th week in a row that I've gotten a Jason Reynolds mention in, but I'm going to keep the streak alive. I love him. I mean, <laughs> hey, if I could get Lori to read, read Mirror, I, I mean, she, I've gotten her to read the first chapter, second chapter. She, her reading has been kind of sporadic. But um, she stands Mira too. So this is like a, a stand house, like a Mira Jacob stand house. So yeah. Okay. We're, we we're the same. We're the same over yeah. here. So. Yeah. We're and Jason sometimes listens here. to this podcast. So hi, Jason. We still love you over here in California. <laughs> if you're listening, hope this is did awkward I, for you. <laughs> did I tell you about the time he came to an event that I did in person? No. Did you faint? I did. He walked through the door. I was for I was in, going to interview Nicole Dennis Ben, and we were in the back waiting for the crowd to come through. And he just slipped back there, and I just like stopped and I just stared at him. And he was said hi to Nicole, and I was just like, and then he left, and I was like, I literally just stared at this man, and I didn't even say hi. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm so dumb. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. He's got that vibe and he smells so good. That's all I'll say. Just like anything that you can think of that smells great, that's what Jason smells like. This I is really so awkward and embarrassing. Hello. Hi, Jason, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. You should probably just skip ahead because we're just still going. <laughs> I, and I can keep going because there's so many instances where he walks in the room. I just stare and I'm like, oh, and you really need to stop that. It's so You bad. need to introduce yourself next time. Be like, hey, we talked about you extensively and how hot you are on the sex. Um, I'm Lupita. Nice to meet you. Love your work. I, I don't even know if I can get a high out, but I can try. <laughs> 
I'm obsessed. Okay. Okay. We have to move on. Sorry. <laughs> move on before I get a message from him that's like, you need to stop. It's getting bordering on harassment. <laughs> um, okay. Are there things that you wish were different about your reading life? I think I wish I had more time. Sure. And that's it. You know, having a kid that's a toddler who's super involved and like he loves people. He loves people to play with him and be around right. people. So I guess if I had more time, that would be great. And in terms of um, what I actually get to read, I think I've, I'm working more on reading for me and mm. reading the things that speak to me instead of kind of getting lost in the hype machine where, you know, you're like, oh my God, so she, such and such is talking about this book or right. they love it. So yeah, that's always really hard for me too. What's the last really good book that someone recommended to you? Well, I'm going to, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to say Mira again. <laughs> <laughs> On Beauty by Zadie Smith. I, so I had read Swing Time before that. I had read, so White Teeth is my absolute favorite by Zadie Smith. Okay. And so ever since I went, like read White Teeth, I had just been like a big Zadie fan and I want, I bought everything she owns. Um, I read NY and I was just like, you know, it was, it was good. It just, it just didn't do it for me. It wasn't the Zadie that I was expecting. Swing Time, same thing. I read her recent short story collection that came out, Feel Good or Feel Free, Feel Free. Um, and again, like it was good. It was just, I don't know, but on beauty was just like, wow, to me, it was like, okay, this might be like white teeth for me, like the white teeth, you know, equivalent for me or, or if not better, it just was everything. It was, it was so in depth. It was so layered. It was, the characters were just so good. I mean, I still think about them. So thank you, Mira. I listening, but. <laughs> well, I don't think she listens, but maybe she will now. We'll no, t- she I'll will. Just, I'll just let her know that we, I'll just slide in her DMs <laughs> and be like, we talk about you a lot if you're in interested. In this episode. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a fan account episode. What about how do you organize your books? Because I know you have a bazillion and I know you have like a whole book room. Yeah. Um, I hate to disappoint, but I just kind of throw them all in a bookshelf and oh. that's it. Wow. Mm. I know, but I do separate them between books I've read and, and I haven't read. And then I do have a shelf that I dedicate to books that I want to read soon. So I guess it's a loose TBR kind of. um, Yeah. And that that bookshelf is where I just I'm constantly like pulling and then putting away. And I'm like, oh, I probably I don't want to read this anymore. So it it does change kind of monthly. Anytime I walk by the shelf. But other than that, I don't organize and in the sense of like by author or by. Right. Any genres that you avoid reading? Probably horror. I don't read as much horror or um, gothic. Really anything dark, anything that like is, will make you scared in the night or something. Same. Yeah. Same. What is your ideal reading setup? If you're going to be in the perfect reading situation, what does that look like for you? Probably looks like a cool room you know, where, the, where you've got the AC going because it's hot here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a nice cold beer and just like a very comfortable chair. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a lounger downstairs in my basement. So that's usually where, you know, I'm like, okay, if I could just be left alone here for the day, oh, that would be a dream. Okay. 
this is kind of a rapid fire. So you just tell me what book comes to okay. mind when I ask you this. Oh, um, what was the last book that made you laugh? I would have to say the book I'm reading now, Maria Nojosa, Once I Was Once I Was You. Okay. Last book that made you cry? Probably The Undocumented Americans. Okay. Last book that made you angry? The Undocumented Americans. Let's <laughs> just <laughs> put that there. What about last book that you feel like you learned a lot? Probably Minor Feelings. Yeah. Okay. Last book you purchased? I think it's called uh, The God of Small Things. Okay. The last book where you felt joy? Joy. Um, I was reading this romance called A World Between Us. I'm sorry. A World Between Us. But, okay. What about a book that you're embarrassed that you love? A book that I'm embarrassed that I love? Oh. Uh, you can also skip if you don't have one. Yeah, okay, we'll skip this one. Okay. Yeah. What about what about what book is your problematic favorite? Oh, my problematic favorite. I don't okay, it wasn't a favorite, but how I think this ties in with your last question too. I liked the help. Mm. And that was so I now look back and I'm like, wow, that is so fucked up. I'm really like honestly I look back and I'm like you just don't know the shit that you accept to be okay until right. you know, right? right? Like that's the reason that you need to educate yourself. Otherwise you just kind of go around the world being like, I read the help and the help is so great. And Right. Right. Anyways. That's like that American dirt type book. Where it's Hell like, yeah. like this is an enjoyable book to read, but also like this shit is whack and it's so problematic and like, right. don't do that people. Don't do it. Don't be me. See, I mean, I mess up too. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a lot of books that I'm like, this is, I, <laughs> this is problematic as fuck, but it's a good book. And it's a hard, it's a hard line. And I, I think one of the things that really frustrates me about books like that is that the conversation around the books isn't what I think the conversation should be. Like, for example, everyone knows my problematic fave is Gone with the Wind and mm -hmm. people get upset and they're like, this book, this movie should be taken off and people shouldn't read this book. And I sit there and I'm think that's not the conversation we should be having. The conversation we should be we should be having is what is problematic about this book and why is that the issue instead of nobody read this book, nobody talk about this movie, you know, right. and I wish that more people were doing the work around unpacking the books and the content instead of being upset that a thing exists, if you know what I mean, yeah. which is no. why I asked you specifically about what was what you felt was the yeah. issue with American Dirt as opposed to just like what happened. Um, okay, no. I, we have to yeah. just do the last one. We're like out of time. Um, so this is one that I stole from the New York Times and I love it so much. If you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Uh, the undocumented Americans. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's yeah. my new answer for that question too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a perfect segue to end this thing at the end of the month. Let me find the date on. Okay. That's a perfect segue on September 30th. We're going to be back. We're reading the undocumented Americans by Carla Cornejo via Vicencio and that's going to be an amazing conversation. Lupita will be back to do it with us. If you haven't read the book yet, you have four Wednesdays from now to do that. If 
you're going to read with us. There will be spoilers in the sense that we're going to talk about the book, but it is nonfiction. So if you don't read the book, you should be safe. But honestly, read the book, y'all. It's very, very good. Lupita, thank you. Oh, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so I am on Instagram at lupita.reads. I'm on Twitter at lupita underscore reads. um, And that's where I'm at. Great. Amazing. And you guys can find me at the stacks pod on instagram at the stacks pod underscore on twitter and you know the deal if you are listening to the show and you love it please rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts lupita thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me and everyone else we will see you in the stacks Thank you all so much for listening and thank you to Lupita for being our guest. As we mentioned, Lupita will be back on September 30th to discuss The Undocumented Americans by Carla Cornejo via Vicencio. Please make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. Will Sterling does our sound, editing, and production, and this show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 